Hi everybody, I'm Annette Shinicky. Welcome to my Gypsy Girl show. And uh, I hope everyone's doing good. Today's April 1st. April Fool's Day. Man. Uh, on April Fool's Day 2008, my little sister Christine decided to kill herself. Uh, with a 40 caliber handgun and she accomplished it and uh, and man that was extremely traumatizing to our entire family you know the question is why that uh, you know that's the first question what the heck what in the world uh, happened you know, and and that, of course, if you actually do go into detail about why something happens, you will find the answers, but we don't always like the answers, you know, of why someone would hurt themselves so badly. And uh, why, you know, why, why? <laughs> uh, suicide is... So extremely hard to talk about, painful, and uh, man, emotional, you know. <clears throat> I miss you, Christine. I miss you so much. A whole ton of people miss you. You know, Christine was my younger sister by seven years. Very beautiful, very talented. She could play piano. She didn't ever take lessons. She just learned some songs and played really well, and it was just beautiful. Uh, my dad never took piano lessons either, and he could play the piano really, really good. Uh, also, he played a whole bunch of instruments. And Christine also, let's see, what else did she do? She did hair, and uh, she was a you know, cosmetologist. And uh, she was married to Kim from Swede uh, Denmark, sorry, Danish. <laughs> Kim from Denmark. Hello, Kim. <laughs> she would call him Kimberly. Uh, she had a nine-year-old son at the time, Sebastian, and a stepson, Tage. I guess Tage was probably 11 when it happened. <clears throat> and, uh, boy, I uh, think I must have basically turned into um, a crying hermit after that for the next two years. Uh, could barely leave the house. And I lived in Missouri with my six kids and a uh, husband at the time. And uh, and I had my Rottweiler Gunner was there, uh, and he would, and we had a cat named Freeway, and probably Macaroni was there, but I'm not positive. Macaroni was a big fat kitty, really cute. But uh, anyways, talking about suicide and and how. It, it hurts, and uh, 
and and of course how uh, people deal with it you know you get the whole varied uh, reactions of people saying oh they went straight to hell <laughs> okay well thank you for your opinion and uh, you know the other person well I don't think God blames them or will just send them to hell okay thank you for your opinion uh, and uh, you know people always asking what happened and but is is there ever a good enough answer that's my question you know usually the only person that gets off the hook is if they killed themselves are the people that had extreme forms of cancer or some horrible death was going to happen they're the ones that get off the hook for doing it uh <clears throat> and you know the emotional person the person that uh, you know, is suffering emotionally. And unless you've been there, you don't understand what, what it really means to suffer emotionally and not want to be here anymore. If, you, if you've never wanted, if you've never felt that you didn't feel like being here anymore, then how would you know? So until you feel that feeling of, holy shit, I uh, am sick of this place, you know, until we feel that and the sorrow that comes from that because uh, you know because most of us really like being here we want to be alive we want to feel you know then and then to be so pissed off <clears throat> where you say no this isn't fun anymore I'm having no enjoyment you know uh, to be it to that point to that threshold that is consuming you uh, and in a rage that says uh, F off everyone you never understood me you never listened to me you never saw me you never heard me you, you know you never really even cared is how I'm feeling about the rest of the world so until you have felt all those things uh, and then of course not killed yourself <laughs> you know because because to feel those things is actually normal to, to get really pissed off, you know, to daydream about, uh, about dying is actually uh, extremely healthy, and, and we all do it. We all think about death in some way, uh, whether we would, and most people say, well, I would never kill myself. Okay, well... Uh, maybe you would choose to jump off of a cliff instead of getting stabbed to death. You know? Maybe you would choose that. That would be killing yourself. What choice would you have? Would you rather be stabbed by, you know, a murdering uh, a bunch of people that are coming to murder you with knives? Or would you rather just jump off the cliff yourself? You know, I think I would take the cliff. Uh, you know, have a nice ride down, and it's an instant thing, and you don't have to feel those, you know, uh, I mean, you know, some people choose to, uh, in the cases of war, that they take poison instead of, uh, you know, going and being a slave for someone, or getting mutilated and then murdered, or, you know, hung on a cross, whatever, you know, uh, so you say, oh, I would never do that. 
well, unless I had cancer. And that's usually, you know, the one... And do I have a problem with that? Um, no, I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, I would take the cliff. <laughs> uh, but, you know, all of us... Uh, I, I think it's just really hard to talk about. And of course we don't, we want to say that we would never do that. Uh, because we don't want to, you know, harm our family, we don't want to harm ourselves, whatever. And that's important. We don't want to do that. But like I said, until you know how it feels, you know, and who is feeling that way? Well, a bunch of people are feeling that way. And a bunch of people, well, I mean, obviously, we are here, and life is tough, and it hurts, and things happen in our lives. The myriad of horrible things that can happen in childhood and growing up and all those things, and, and of course, everyone on the planet has had those things happen, certain things, or no things. You know, what is worse, to experience or to have lack of experience? You know, some people are so upset that they've had nothing. You know, it's all been fluff. It, it hasn't, there's been no depth to their soul. <laughs> and those guys are pissed. You know, so, but, uh, you know, Life is tough. Life is tough. So, so April Fools today, and it's 2023. And uh, and you know, I was just thinking, man, how, I wonder how the rest of my family, the people that are still alive, if they wonder about it. You know, I of course, uh, it was so tough, uh, and I, and I have five sisters and three brothers and uh, and we had a real big neat Mormon funeral it was actually a beautiful funeral beautiful you know everybody showed up and uh, we were much younger then <laughs> and uh, but that was really the like so my sister Teresa had lost a baby a few years before well like ten years before that and that was uh it was an emotional time, you know. It, it was super tough. It was super tough. Losing a little, a little baby uh, at birth. So, ten and a half pound baby or something. It was, and he was beautiful, full term, and uh, and then you know didn't make it, and so that was really tough on everybody. And, uh, and man, I mean, my heart just broke for my sister and her husband and you know it, it was tough and and but Christine was you know we were grown up now we weren't uh, basically youngsters anymore we were you know or at least I was in how old was I maybe 38 or something I think so and so Christine uh, 30 I don't think she had her birthday yet, so I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't 38 yet. Um, it was a couple days, and then I would be 38. So it was just 
two days before my birthday. And, uh, and the trouble with suicide is that before, so our family, I, uh, I had a severe, horrible guilt because I, about Christine, because I had been wanting to call her for months and months and months, but I have a real hard time talking on the phone. And uh, giving up information, speaking, you know, I have a real hard time doing that. If you're my friend, then you know that I barely talk on the phone to anyone, ever. That's, and, uh, and of course, the phone call that I got made it much worse, made my trauma much worse. I like to call it phone trauma, you know, getting bad news, <laughs> getting bad news on the phone. Uh, so, and it's not that I don't like phones. I like having my phone. I prefer the texting method. You know, the texting really, you could say a lot in a short amount of time it, with the most meaning and, <clears throat> I don't know, so anyways, you know, if, I apologize if I'm hurting anyone by not talking on the phone. It isn't that I don't want to talk with them. It, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I just get all choked up and I can, but I sometimes, but you know, you wouldn't know that I can't talk on the phone. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, if I'm talking to you on the phone, I could certainly talk. You know, it's just that I barely answer the phone. So, but anyways, you know, usually my cousin Todd Shinicky, he will call me on my birthday. And so I am looking forward to having him sing me happy birthday again. If he's going to do that, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll get surprised and it won't happen. <laughs> Either way, it'll be a surprise. And, and it's really nice. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, most of the time I will answer if I know who it is. Uh, I just don't call very many people, but, you know, and that's, uh, the phone trauma thing. Getting messages, I guess hearing people, uh, sob and scream or cry or whatever is happening, uh, when there is, you know, an emotional time, uh, it's an instant you know, if you hear your mom crying because <laughs> someone just died, oh man, you know, that uh, that pierces the soul and and you never ever want to feel that horror again. You don't want to look in your mom's eyes. I, I remember, uh, you know, as soon as I looked in my mom's eyes, my heart just broke, it shattered. Uh, you know, for her pain, for our pain, for the pain that we were suffering, you know, uh, out of respect, uh, out of love, because, you know, we loved our my sister. We, she loved her daughter. You know, we all loved each other. Do everybody always get along? No, uh, but that's part of love. It's part of growth. We all have to be able to, you know, have a little bit of uh, strife mixed into the mix. It, it, it's not that you want it, but in a big family or in any family, in any relationship, there's going to be something that hasn't been communicated and and people need to share feelings 
because, uh, you know, one guy's habit in the bathroom, never flushing, you know, that could, <laughs> that could cause turmoil somewhere. <laughs> you know, you got to communicate. And, uh, and of course, so my guilt about my sister, my little, my little baby sister, who I love very much, used to help change her diapers, you know, carry her around. I was the horse and she would climb on me and, you know, we played games and rode bikes and, uh, you know, played with the balls and, and Christine could sing. Oh my gosh, she could sing really well. She actually went to one of those talent places. I forgot what it was called, but, uh... And uh, I think she was just too nervous. But, you know, in person she could sing amazing. And uh, so we were all very proud of her. And, and uh, so it was tough, you know, on her son and, and husband. And they were going through a rocky time. And, and uh, you know, but it's like, wow, everybody, it's just, it's over. So, so how do you, how do you get through that, you know? And then a few years later, my sister Teresa, she did the same thing. She was living in Arizona and, and, uh, she was divorced and, and just broke up with her boyfriend, Bruce. And I guess, you know, everybody said he's real mean jerk. And I, I was like, oh, great. Uh, that is the last thing anybody wants to hear. That my sister was alone and sad. And very sad. And, and how much I miss her, man. Teresa, my older sister. She was a fireball. There was, uh, so my mom was going to the grocery store, Teresa was two, and Teresa wanted to go to the store, and my mom wanted a break, <laughs> you know, dad was at home watching the kids, and Teresa decided to go anyways. Uh, she didn't get into the car, she just decided to stand on the outside of the car and hang on, <laughs> and she was two. Uh, we had a little uh, VW bus, and it had one of those runners, and she held on to the doorknob and just... <laughs> went to the store with my mom and my mom's driving and, and she's like why is everyone honking at me she kept looking around and, and people are yelling at her and honking and she's just kept driving like what I don't understand what's happening and so she gets to the store and she sees my sister Teresa holding on to the door and I'm smiling <laughs> and uh, you know but it was uh what year must it have been? Like 1960, probably 1965, where maybe there weren't uh, very many police cars around and nobody had a cell phone, and, you know, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if my mom had the music on really loud or, <laughs> but Teresa wasn't letting her know. She wasn't like, hey, mom, she was just hanging on. She was going. That was Teresa. That was definitely Teresa. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so many adventures that we went on. Climbing fences through the barbed wire fence in our backyard in Chico. And we had to go, uh, we went through the kiwi farm, got in trouble. The kiwi farmer did not like us climbing through the fence to go through. We wanted to go exploring because there was creek everywhere that went through this property. 
And we're like, we are bound to find a place that we can go swimming at. <laughs> I don't think we did. It was too... I think there was a drought happening. Yeah, and then, uh, and then the rain came and made everything green. We got invaded by crickets, like huge, huge locusts. They, we had so many locusts to Chico one year, and I was either eight or nine. And when we moved to this really neat house on Kiefer Road in Chico, California. And the crickets came, and it blacked out the sun, basically. <laughs> there were so many. And so it took at least a couple of months for them to be, you know, to die off, basically. But in the meantime, you couldn't walk without stepping on a bunch of crickets or them, you know, flying everywhere every, every time that you took a step. It covered the entire house. All the windows uh, were covered with these huge grasshoppers. Uh, we got so, a couple of ducks so that they would... <laughs> I guess it was my mom and dad's theory that the ducks would eat all the grasshoppers. and There was just way too many. And so what happened was uh, the ducks actually made a bigger mess because then they pooped everywhere and so there was this huge duck poop everywhere squirted everywhere all over the yard also and in the garage I don't know why they kept coming into the garage I was little so <laughs> so I'm not sure <laughs> oh, Sue and Todd just got back from their uh, from wherever it was they went and uh, yeah so talking about my sister Teresa. She, I think it was Teresa that came up with the idea of, uh, so we had this cool hill in California and the grass is uh, real long, uh, slick, like golden grass. They call it the Golden State because of this long grass. Uh, well, and, and the gold mines, I guess. And uh, <laughs> And so we would get into this little baby swimming pool and slide down the hill in the swimming pool. And all of us could fit in this little baby swimming pool. And it was the perfect little slide that uh, and it, you could barely walk back up the hill. It was so slippery, this grass. And the hill was pretty steep. So we, it was basically like snow sledding uh, in the summertime. And it was so great. We even tried to put water in it and slide down the hill. It didn't work very good, but it was fun. <laughs> Thank you, Teresa. Man, I miss you. I miss you so much. Teresa had these amazing blue eyes, dazzling blue eyes. She was always uh, coming up with uh, a theater piece that we would have to, so we would put on a show for the family. We would make curtains and a stage, and we always had to do some type of play that she would write and then we would have to be the stars in it. <laughs> and uh, and we would do costumes. And, and luckily, my sister Donna uh, knew how to sew stuff. So if we ever needed anything, she was there and she would help us. So uh, I believe she made the curtains up for one of our backyard stages. I was a little bit older. And, and it turned out pretty neat because Teresa by that time was in high school when I was around 12. And, uh, and she had been in plays at high school and did a very good job. Got written up in her 
you know, school paper, and, and uh, yeah, it was pretty fabulous, Teresa. Oh, man. All the adventures. Teresa liked to go to San Francisco when we lived in Napa. And we would go, she would drive her little truck, and we'd go to the Hyatt Regency Hotel and sit in the lobby. And, and if you've ever been there to this, uh, it's where they filmed the movie High Anxiety with Mel Brooks. And it's a huge open, uh, like, huge open room with plants and waterfalls and, you know, in the middle of the hotel. Uh, and the rooms go up, like, but you can see to the sky, you know, basically. It's really, really cool. They, uh, at the time, in the 80s, they would have, uh, you know, a piano bar, a piano guy playing, and there was a bar. And, uh, you know, you could sit there and get drinks right there. And, uh, and, and so we would get really dressed up. We were just teenagers, but we looked older. And, uh, you know, just to go and, <laughs> and watch people. It was really cool. And, uh, and it was fun. I loved the smell of the deep waterfall. And a few times, and this one time I got to go dancing with Teresa. Uh, we got, I don't know where we went. I was only 13, but it was a bar. And, uh, you know, it was in the 80s. So, I, actually, I might have been, well, I was almost 14. So, yeah, I was still 14, 13. <clears throat> And they didn't, uh, you know, I mean, Teresa did my makeup and hair and, uh, and put me in this really great outfit. <laughs> and nobody, and they probably didn't care in San Francisco. So if you looked good, hey, you can come in. And, uh, you know, about ID, and I certainly didn't order any drinks. I did uh, dance with some guy, and, and he asked what I wanted to drink. And, and I didn't even know what to say because I, uh, you know, I didn't have alcohol before so and uh yeah he wanted to date me and, and then when or my sister talked him into driving us and following us back to napa from san francisco from this bar and having me in his car and i'm like hey man uh i gotta tell you that i'm only 13 and and, and that's my sister and and you know maybe we should maybe uh you know because i didn't want to date anyone i don't know how old he was but too old for me. You know, my mom and dad would have said, oh, what? And, you know, I was supposed to be uh, just, we were supposed to go to the movies, not anything else. <laughs> so I couldn't have some guy coming back to the house, you know. Jeez. So, yeah, so we pulled over and I jumped in the other car and said bye. Hey, Susie. Yeah, so those adventures with Teresa have always been interesting adventures. Uh, hitchhiking from when we lived in Sandy to uh, to the ski resort in Brighton. We wanted to go look around, and we didn't have a car, so we hitched a hike up there. <laughs> and uh, and I don't suggest anyone doing that. So, just so you know, don't pick up hitchhikers and do not hitchhike. But in the 80s, uh, and with my sister Teresa, I felt, uh, always felt fearless when I was around Teresa. Um, 
<laughs> just an intense uh, passion for living when I was around Teresa. You know, the person with the fire and the juice inside that says, let's do it, let's go. And, you know, that, that was Teresa. Desire to explore. And and then she took her life, you know, later, because she wasn't in a mood to explore anymore. And, uh, and a bunch of stuff was hurting really bad. Do I blame Teresa? No, I don't. I mean, it, she's the one that did it, of course, so of course she did it. But, I'm, you know, I love her anyways. Love, I love my sisters anyways. I love my daughters anyways for, you know... Um, I'm not happy about the choice. Not happy about that choice. You know, but it can't be taken back. And so the only thing we can do is to, you know, uh, heal the pain, which is really tough to do. And, uh, you know, I suggest counseling, I suggest reading. Uh, you know, a lot of peace and quiet, a lot of uh, understanding and compassion, you know, especially for yourself, because when the guilt hits about, hey, why didn't I call? Why didn't I call? You know, oh, and I cried about that. Why didn't I call? I cried and cried and cried because I didn't call. cried and cried and cried and uh, you know and I still don't have the answer for myself why didn't I call um, and it was because I was going through my own misery you know and I didn't want to pass on my misery to her of all people because I loved and cherished her so much and I didn't want her to know that I was suffering really bad emotionally also and, uh, and boy, that was, uh, you know, that haunted me for years. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it used to cause such a great pain. I would instantly start crying. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the pain as I forgave myself and knew that uh, I wasn't capable. I was like, well, why am I not capable? What is happening? Why can't I reach out on the phone? You know, what is so hard about reaching out on the phone? And it just is. And, uh, and I still am wondering why it is so difficult to talk on the phone. You know, <laughs> I don't know if other people have that problem or not, but uh, anyways, I'm outside and it's a, it's a windy, uh, cloudy day. We've got these big old, like, gray, poofy gray clouds, but the sun kind of creeps through just a little, enough to make, like, really bright white spots here and there. And uh, it's pretty beautiful today. We've had the weather's been changing uh, 
more like tropical, but, uh, you know, where it changes a lot. So we've had, uh, it was 65 about a week ago, and then it went to 52, and then down to 48, and now it's like supposed to be 38 or something today, and, and, and it might snow tomorrow. <laughs> so it's like, what? Uh, but it's springtime, and so, you know, it's, it's, we're supposed to get rain here in the Seattle area. And that's what keeps it so green and lush and beautiful here. And we love the water. You know, the natural spring water that is all around is so great. And and all the lakes and, you know, there's just so much water here that is so fabulous. It, it, uh, it's very soothing to be around water. Or wind chimes. <laughs> and I like to be out on the porch when I'm doing my podcast. And, of course, if anybody watched my podcast right before this one, uh, there was a lot going on, a lot of noise. Uh, we had construction workers. The radio was playing. <laughs> I don't think anybody could even hear me. So, so today it's like, hey, there's no construction. There's no music. <laughs> Uh, there's no talking by anybody else. No, you know, guys yelling in the background, hey, give me that hammer. You know, there's some wind chimes and a little wind. Whew. Yeah, just talking about stuff. Say hi to my brother David in Sweden the other day. I sure love you, David. <laughs> the neighbors are laughing. I think Susie went over there. Yeah, they're all laughing over there. They got the garage door open. I don't know if you can hear it. But, uh, yeah, talking with David, and he's got a new little grandson that he's so excited about. He loves being a grandpa. Oh, my goodness. David, it's so exciting to be a grandpa. I will be a grandma someday. Not this year, but uh, perhaps another year, you know. And, um, or maybe this year, who knows? Maybe someone is, and you just never know. Uh, new life happens everywhere. You know, when there is a death, there's always going to be a life also. And, uh, and moving forward and moving on, it's really tough to heal from from anything that hurts. <laughs> you know, from anything that hurts. It, and we do get tougher. You know, just like those people that, uh, that do karate and, uh, you know, their conditioning. Uh, there's some, some type of bamboo people, or, or not people, but... Uh, they use bamboo and they hit themselves with the bamboo to make themselves stronger. And I'm like, holy crap, that's... But it does work. It toughens the skin. It toughens the body. And it's like, wow. Uh, you know, how tough are we, really? How tough can I be? How tough can I become? And I know when I'm uh, playing with my poi, uh, they are similar to nunchucks. They're not nunchucks, but they're similar and they're on ropes, and they're like little sticks. Uh, and I have definitely gotten tougher doing that because I, and better. I don't hit myself as much, but there's you know a few spots uh, where the rope, 
hits me on my uh, above my knuckle on my thumb like where the top knuckle is on your thumb and uh, and it hits this bone in here and so I and but it's getting tough and I used to get these huge bruises right there and you know because of the way that I'm doing my stuff but they're getting tougher and and I barely notice it anymore and uh, and when I pop you know something on my finger on my knuckle uh, when it hits there or even on my kneecap because uh, you know I'm not perfect and I mess up on my sticks and uh, yeah so it's like wow I'm definitely getting tougher and, and that makes me really happy happy because I know that although there's been really tough times it's been really tough to get through I believe in myself that I don't need to jump off any cliff, you know, the, uh, unless there's, you know, <laughs> guys with swords coming and I'm on the cliff, uh, that's when I would take the cliff, you know, I'd rather take the cliff than the swords. Um, but that's a physical thing. And emotionally speaking, when swords are coming at, emotional swords are coming at me, I can get through that. I don't have to take the cliff. I know a new trail. I also know how to paraglide. Well, I don't know all by myself, but but I know how to ride tandem on a paraglider. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm happy to go tandem on a paraglider if uh, in, instead of taking the cliff. You know, finding a new solution. Because there isn't always just, you know, it isn't cut, you know, uh, black or white. We don't have to have the ultimate ultimatum on ourselves. You know, every day, uh, we could take a step forward in our healing and in our... dedication to working for uh, the inner self to become happy to become who it is we desire to become and of course I desire to become better uh, not bitter <laughs> there's a huge difference you know and can life be bittersweet yes life is bittersweet and, and, you know, if you think of bittersweet chocolate chip uh, cookies, those actually could be really good. And so, you know, you take the sweet and the bitter. You, you, well, and that's because we don't have choice. Because as someone is born, you know, uh, there is going to be some trauma happening to the skin, you know, to this new life. To the mother, you know, things have to get fixed and sewed and uh, wiped and uh, washed. You know, there's a whole huge thing that happens just when there is a birth of a life. So, You know, do we all need to remember when we were born? No, uh, we don't have to remember that it was 
uh, a very traumatic thing to be born. <laughs> you know, our they say, uh, the experts say that our body remembers the trauma. And that is why we usually seek the mother, the nurturing of the mother, uh, right away. It, it's... Uh, automatic, you know, <laughs> instinct, basically, that mother will soothe, mother will nurture, mother will feed, mother will give. That's why we love our moms, you know, because, and of course, we can also despise our moms if mom can't take away the pain, if mom isn't, you know, doesn't have the answers. We could become enraged with mom, uh, especially a two-year-old. You know, because mom is the one. Mom holds the key to that that part of us. It says, I want to be soothed. I want to be loved. I expect those things. I expect to feel them, especially from mom. And if I don't feel that from mom, then I'm going to be upset. <laughs> you know, sometimes moms can't supply that anymore. You know, there's a time, hey, you know, the baby has to, has to stop nursing. Mom can't, mom has to go on and live her life too. And that's really tough for a child to separate that it wasn't really mom soothing the baby. It was the baby becoming soothed. I mean, of course, the mom is really helping. But, but a baby has to also be independent and soothe itself. You know, you can't do all of it for the baby. The baby has to have some happiness within itself, its ability. You know, you can't carry a baby all day long. You can hold it as much as you want, but your arms will get tired. Now, I held my kids a lot and had a little backpack and carried them around so I could get things done, vacuuming and cleaning and things like that. But, uh, you know, now I can barely carry anything because I carried and carried. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm very glad that I did it. But in order to be soothed, we have to learn how to soothe. You know, that's why we give a baby a blankie <laughs> or a little stuffed animal. Because uh, they might be sad in their crib crying for a minute, but they'll get their blankie and they'll snuggle up with their little stuffed animal. And, uh, you know, and, and they don't need mom anymore. They become a little bit independent. <laughs> Which is wonderful for mom when there's independence. You know, and that's basically what we want is people that can soothe themselves. Hey, Susie, how are you? Good. I'm, I'm on my uh, doing my podcast. I have a couple minutes left. Do you want to say anything? Say something to David because so he'll get brother. this. Yay. 
beautiful brother. <laughs> just love you so much. I love David's laugh. You remember we used to go to the movies, and if David was laughing, oh yeah, it just makes you laugh. It <laughs> just carries. And ha ha ha! I don't even know if I can do it. Ha 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 ha! I love that one. <laughs> Love you, brother. Love you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just talking. Uh, I was talking about Christine today because it's April Fool's Day, yeah. and how much uh, how much we loved her, and yeah. and how hard it is to get over it. Uh, you know the uh, the tough the toughness that that we went through as a family, and of course other people go through it, and it's really tough, and you know, so. Yeah. So it's, but it's a good talk. <laughs> uh, try to bring up the memories, you know, the good stuff. Well, anyway, Susie probably doesn't want to be in the show. <laughs> I make her talk for a second. <laughs> yeah. But we love and miss you, Christine and Teresa and my daughter Mimi and my daughter Summer. We love and miss all of you. And I look uh, so forward to having David come in July. Yay! <laughs> yes, David, you hear that? We look forward to you coming to visit. And, of course, it's always great to be able to say hi to you on the phone. Usually you call on Susie's phone. And then uh, if I can talk on the phone, uh, it's usually to David. <laughs> David's usually the one I can talk to. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's time for me to go. And... Uh, Thank you for joining me, and and let's talk some more. And have a super good day, everybody. Happy April Fools.